as we are uh, in that season that is the most traditional of all, I wanted to, uh, to just take you once again back to Luke. The Maness family took you there a little while ago, but I just want to take you back to the story that uh, the historian, the historical researcher and Paul's physician um, shares with us in his, after his research of what happened on Christmas a couple thousand years ago. And it came to pass in those days that a decree went forth from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This census first took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. So all went to register, everyone to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. So it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Now there were in that same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flocks by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them and the glory of the Lord shone round them and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. There is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there were with the angels a multitude of heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace and goodwill to men. So it was when the angels had gone away from them into the heavens that the shepherds said to one another, Let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in the manger. Now when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning the child. And all those who heard it marveled at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. Then the shepherds returned, glorifying God and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told to them. Tradition. This particular one that I want to read you this morning from Galatians chapter 4. says, When the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son. In Galatians chapter 4, verses 4 and 5, this passage is one of the oldest traditions of Christianity. There are some who believe Paul is recording one of those earliest statements, earliest confessions of faith in Christianity. That he is actually stating what was taught to the church. When you came to become a Christian, one of the things they taught you was this. That when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law. That they taught this as one of the primary facts of Christianity, from Christianity's first birth. 
This is recorded in the early centuries in the, the traditional statements of the church from the very beginning. So from day one, this seems to have been one of those things that was shared. The story of Christmas was shared with this addition that Jesus was sent by the Father, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were so also born under the law. In the fullness of time, in the fullness of time, when the time was right, when time was filled up, when time was full. Some of you are thinking of this. Some of you are saying, man, I just got a week left. And I still got great aunt Susie to buy for, and she's so hard to buy for. Time is ticking on your Christmas shopping, folks. No stress. You always get it done. Don't go there on the 24th, ladies. Don't go to the mall on the 24th. That is men's day at the mall. I try to remind you of this every year. Get your Christmas shopping done by the 23rd because the 24th is men's day at the mall. You laugh because it's true. Some of you, when Christmas time comes and you start thinking about the clock running out and time being full, you think about this. There are moments that last through time. This particular moment is called the Holy Roller. As a Raiders fan, we look back on this with fondness. Some of you are not Raiders fans, so just for you, I put this up there. (laughs) Known as the catch. Both of them having to do with time running out. The fullness of time. Time was full and ending. The fullness of time. This last uh, two weeks ago, before we went to India, we found out a little bit about the fullness of time. Thanks to David... Uh, we actually got our visas in the fullness of time. I just want to I'll quickly tell the story to you just so you'll know um, how close we were to not going. Um, our, visas, our, our visa applications were in about a month ahead, but we weren't getting word that they were done, and we weren't certainly getting our visas. So on noon, the day before we were supposed to leave, we were leaving 1130 on Tuesday, noon on Monday, David said, we need to go down there. And had he not say, said that, we would have spent the last two weeks with you here. So we drove down to uh, we, we drove down to San Francisco, and we got there at about oh about ten after two. We were shooting for two, but we got there about ten after two. We walked up to the to the door of the uh, consulate, and it was locked. And we called the phone, which they're supposed to answer between two and four, and they weren't answering. In fact, I believe Sarah stayed on the phone for over an hour, and David had been on the phone prior to that, just waiting for them to answer the phone. There website says they answer the phone between two and four. They don't. <laughs> then someone came to the little window that was there. It was like, a, like the old uh, banker's windows or like the ticket window at an old movie theater. And they opened it. But they didn't open the window all the way up like you would you know, really want to greet the people who are out there. They opened the window only about this much. So you had to kind of talk through the opening in the window to talk to them. Luckily, David is a very patient man. And he started talking patiently through the window about what needs to happen. And as they began to talk, they discovered that Brenda's visa was right there in that very office. And within, oh, probably a half hour of our arrival, maybe an hour of our arrival, Brenda had her visa. So Sarah and I were staying behind and Brenda was going to India to represent our church. (laughs) David and and Sarah went off to uh, the people who processed the visas so that they would be able to 
to see if Sarah's visa was over there. They were told that they could go get her visa, which was still in the processing house and hadn't been turned into the consulate yet. I don't know how they were planning on getting these to us before we, we arrived, but they assured us over the Internet that they were aware of the time when we had to fly. <clears throat> so they got there, and David, uh, David and Sarah managed to find the manager of the place. And I think, David, you looked at him and said, uh, Oh, look, this is the person in charge. And flattered, he stepped up to help them out. And uh, sure enough, they got Sarah's visa and they brought it back and they turned it in through the little, for passport, and they, they turned it in through the little window and they got it stamped. So now Sarah and Brenda were going to go and the fullness of time was marching closer. It was now about 4.45 and they were telling us in that place, in the, in the consulate, they didn't know where my visa was. And they thought it was over at the, uh, the processing center. And at the processing center, they were saying they don't know where his passport and visa are. They think it's over at the consulate. And so nobody seemed to know where it was. So at about five minutes, so no, about ten minutes to five, we finally got the word from Dwayne. Dwayne said, your visa is at the consulate. Go there, stay there till midnight if you have to, but make them find it. So we jumped in the car and we headed across town. We had 10 minutes. They were supposed to close at 5. The fullness of time was coming. And so we went across town and it took us about uh, 12 to 14 minutes to get across town. And so it was about 5.05 when we went through the door that somebody forgot to lock at 5 o'clock. We rushed through the door and I went looking for anybody who was sitting behind a desk and I said, Dwayne sent us and he said that my, my uh, passport and visa are here. And the lady who had nothing to do with anything that I was needing sent me over to another desk where no one was sitting. And we stood by that desk waiting for someone to appear. Finally, a young woman appeared. And we said to her, I said to her, Dwayne sent me here. And he said, my passport and visa are here. And she said, OK, OK, in a minute, after I give my give passports and visa out to these 35 other people who are waiting, I'll find it. Out walks another man. And David asked if he could go and find it. Did you mention Dwayne, David? We kept mentioning Dwayne because Dwayne seemed to have authority. But the man went in the back. And within about 15 minutes, this missing passport and visa were found. And he brought them out. And he handed them to us. And as he did, David hugged him and squeezed him and cleared the counter of things that were on the counter and the man looked like someone had stabbed him with a knife. I don't think they get hugged at the, at the visa processing station very often. But in the fullness of time, plus about 20 minutes, I had my passport and my visa. About three hours later, we were in the car coming home and I got a text message from the passport processing center. And it said, we have just shipped your visa via FedEx to you. In the fullness of time at 1130 the next day, we got on the plane and we were off 
to go to India. So I just, I, when we talk about time, we're always dealing with it in our lives. We're always measuring it, working for it, working toward it, sometimes working away from it, recognizing that time is running out. Time is running out. What, what, what about the clock? We have to keep an eye on the clock, make sure that we're focused on things. Some of you folks are really good at this. You're, you, you have like a running clock in your head. You just know what time it is all the time. I love you folks on committees because when I'm sitting there on the committee and we're starting to wax eloquent, somebody will say, yeah, we, we, we have about half hour left and that'll get us going back on on focus and back on task again time in the fullness of time jesus came at the right time the right person in the right place doing the right thing that was jesus the right person the right place the right time doing the right thing When Jesus came as that baby in the manger, he was fulfilling the prophecies of Daniel chapter 7. The end of that 490 weeks at B.C. 0 to about minus 3, somewhere in there. He came as a fulfillment to those prophecies. He came at the right time. When Jesus arrived, that babe in Bethlehem, he was the package sent by God at the right time. The timing of Jesus' arrival was about the preparedness of mankind. Everything was right. Around the world, there was, in the, in the Mediterranean world, there was one government rule. Rome had, had put their strong hand over the entire region. And so Jesus could arrive under one government rule and travel freely from place to place. The message of the gospel could move about. There was something known as the Pax Romana, that, that heavy hand of Rome kept peace for a thousand years because they were just so strong and therefore the message was able to pass around and move easily and freely without being too badly hampered. During that time, there was one language. There were really two languages, Greek and Latin, but Greek was dominant across the entire region. And so at the right time, in the right voice, in the right place, doing the right thing, Jesus came. What I want to say to you about that, and what I want to say that I think all of us should take heart in this, is because in that right time then, you have a reference, you have a a faith stance, you have a material witness for the fact that when the end comes, at that second coming, you can be sure of this one fact. It'll be the right time. You may be hoping that it's sooner, you may be hoping that it's later, but you know that it will be the right time. In the right time, at the right place, Jesus will, in fact, come again. That baby in the manger is a promise of the arrival of the king on a cloud. That baby showing up at the right time in the fulfillment of all those prophetic things and in that right moment in earth's history, when it was right for us, is a fulfillment and a demonstration of the authority of God to step into time when it's right. And the end will come when it's right, when it's right for us. When the fullness of time had come, God sent forth His Son. I want you to catch this piece. I want want you to make sure you understand this. Is Jesus God? Yes. So if God sent forth His Son, He sent forth the representative to mankind who was in the embodiment of humanity, the Son. Jesus was not 
an involuntary representative of man on the planet. He was a volunteer to come and live and die for you and I. The Son, as one of the full-fledged members of the Godhead, came. He wasn't forced to come. He chose that coming. He was born of a woman, just like you. He was born of a woman so that he could be human, so that he could understand the struggles of humanity. He was born of a woman so that we could relate to him and understand him and connect with him. He was born of a woman so that he was God in human flesh, not just God showing up and appearing one day in a glowing light. He was born of a woman so that you and I would understand what God was like. He was born under the law. The same law that you and I are under. Born under the same restrictions. Born under the physical laws of this planet and born under the laws and commands of God. He was born under the same restrictions and under the same, <coughs> the same uh, issues that we deal with. In all manner tempted like as we and yet without sin. He was born under the law. To redeem those who were under the law. Christmas is a, is a wonderful time of the year. And it's a glorious blessing to us. It's spectacular every year. Across the world, Christmas begins to to gather a greater and greater hold. It's the time in India when Muslims and Hindus and Christians can all agree on this one thing, that this is Christmas. And even some of those folks who don't believe in Christ are hanging stars and sharing presents. Christmas is that time when He came to redeem those of us who couldn't manage our life under the law. He came to redeem. And Christmas is connected to the cross by the life of Christ. And it's the cross that He ultimately came to take up. He came and He laid in the manger. But that manger was just the beginning of why he came. To redeem those under the law. And this is my favorite part. So that we might receive adoption as sons. Jesus came so that you and I could be part of the family. Jesus came, born under the law, born of a woman, so that our family could be joined to his family, so that we could be adopted, so that we could be part of his family, so that we could take on a role that we didn't deserve, that we didn't earn, that in no way should be ours, but in reality is because of what Jesus did. The mission of Jesus was to come to the earth, redeem mankind, and have us adopted into the family of God. One of the oldest traditional statements in Christianity is on the screen for you. But in the fullness of time, when, when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who are under the law, that we might receive adoption as sons. One of the oldest statements in Christianity, one of the oldest traditions in Christianity is on the screen right now. And just to link us to our past 2,000 years ago. I'd like you to indulge me in in reading it with me, would you? Would you read it out loud with me, just as our confession of understanding of what Jesus and Christmas are all about? Would you do that? So I'm terrible at this, but follow anyway. Okay? 
But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. Yeah, it, it's a good thing. It's, if yeah, you want to clap about anything today, you should clap about that. The text continues. The Apostle Paul was afraid that you would read that and just not buy it. He was afraid that you and I would read that and kind of go, eh, I don't know, I don't know. And so here's what he said. He said, we have evidence that we are sons. He said, I can prove this to you. You are adopted as a son of God. And this is how I can prove it to you. Because we are his children. God has sent his spirit, the spirit of his son into our hearts, prompting us to call out Abba, Father, prompting us to call out Daddy into the heavens, prompting us to look up into the heavens and say, God, please, God, I know you want me. I know you desire to see my life changed. It is that impetus of the Holy Spirit in your life where you feel a connection and an affection and an affinity towards God, where you feel that you have the opportunity to approach God. That prompting of the Holy Spirit is the evidence that you are an adopted son and daughter of God. If you have ever felt the call of God on your life, that, that moment to reach out, that desire to be His, to hear His voice, to have Him respond, if you've ever in your life felt the Holy Spirit move you to cry out to the heavens, you know that is the prompting of God of an adopted child, that He's adopting you into His family and He wants to claim you as His own. Now you are no longer a slave, but God's own son. The oldest tradition in the church about Christmas, when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those of us who were born under that same law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. Praise God. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for being willing to do all of that for the likes of us. Would you join me for a word of prayer? Father, we are uniquely blessed to be called your children. We feel the tug of your Holy Spirit. Thank you that in that tug is the assurance of our adoption. That anybody who asks about us can ask our name. Would know by the evidence of your presence and your spirit. That we are yours. Thank you. For that assurance. Thank you for that baby in the manger. Thank you for our Savior on the cross. In his name we pray. Amen. Amen.
remain standing as we close the prayer. If you're not standing, would you, would you stand? I am. We just wanted to uh, pronounce a blessing upon you. May what the shepherds witnessed so many years ago be clearly to you this season. Father, we just ask that you bless this family with the vision that you gave just a few faces 2,000 years ago, that they gather around the manger, that they truly, truly experience you and know that they are your children. May they feel your presence in their Christmas. May they never know a Christmas without your blessing and your Holy Spirit's close abiding. May the gift that you gave be the gift that we all understand as our greatest gift every day of our life. Amen. 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 We wish you a